Jackie Shea. Welcome to Too Sick and Naked, Healing Out Loud, where we vulnerably discuss the ups and downs of healing from illness. Each episode, I interview a brave guest with extensive experience around illness and wellness, and hopefully we leave you feeling inspired to warrior on as well as highly informed about something new. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Hallie Pfeiffer, a bi-coastal actress and writer. Hi, Hallie. Hi, Jackie. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor. So we're discussing Lyme disease again. <laughs> That's Yay. come up a couple times on the show. Um, Lyme disease is really uh, an epidemic right now. There are 300,000 new cases a year. So I think it's important that we get as much word out about it as possible. And obviously, I have a huge network of people suffering from Lyme disease because we tend to find each other mm -hmm. looking for how to heal. Um, so your journey started three years ago? Yeah, I had been sick, I think. It's sort of hard to tell because this disease, I'm sure you've experienced and a lot of people have experienced, like it's pretty insidious. And sometimes it can even feel... I don't know. Like the power of denial is also really strong. So basically, like, I don't really know how long I had been sick. I think I had been sick for about three to six years, even before I was diagnosed. But I didn't even realize I was sick because it sort of manifested as like a general tiredness, general, like not being able to remember the words for things, -ness, like stuff like that, that I was sort of like, I guess I'm just tired. I guess I'm just working too much. I guess I'm just too busy. And thank God, like I ended up um, going on a writer's retreat with one other writer and he sort of helped break through my denial. And he was like, Hey, you've been sick. Like, three times in the last week you know that's not normal right and I kind of didn't know that wasn't normal I was sort of like well that's what life is you spend half of it in bed like I just like was in such a state of denial because it was too upsetting to think that I actually had a real illness and then I started a long journey of going from doctor to doctor to doctor asking them what was wrong with me most of them were men who said I was crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sort of joking, but sort of not. Like, a lot of them were like, are you depressed? Are you anxious? And I was like, I've been those things before, so I know that's not what this is. And then finally saw um, a Lyme literate doctor at the, you know, suggestion of a friend of mine who also has Lyme. And that's when the real healing journey started. Right. And I remember the first time we, sp one of the first times we spoke a few years ago, actually, already, you had told me that you were doing a play and you had a small part and you were so thankful because you were exhausted. Yes. I'm so impressed with your memory, especially as someone with Lyme. <laughs> um, yeah. I was doing a play called The Substance of Fire, which is a great play. And the first act is very different from the second act. The first act is like a whole family scene. And the second act is just two people. And I was part of the family. And I remember thinking, like, I'm so grateful I'm only in the first act. So I can lie on a couch for the entire second act and then go downstairs and bow and then go home and keep lying down. Right. And then I had that white light moment where I was like, oh, you're not going to be able to only be in place where you're only in one act for the rest of your life. Like, you need to figure this out. But to be very honest, like that's partly why I got into a new line of work, which is what I also do now, which is TV writing and producing. Because I was like, I can sit in a chair all day and do that. 
and I don't have to be on stage and that's easier as someone with Lyme. Right. But was it, it was after that play that you got diagnosed, right? Right after, like a couple months after. Yeah. Okay. And did the exhaustion and the noticing that you wouldn't be able to have a career like that send you to the doctor that diagnosed you? Yeah, it was partly that. Yeah. Cause I, it was really helpful because I was like, I used to be able to do plays where I was in both acts and not need to lie down. Now I can't. So I guess this isn't just like normal tiredness. I guess there is something wrong. Right. I mean, I'm an actor too. And I remember um, it was really devastating for me to not be able to be on stage for a couple of years. Yeah. Cause the, and I, I realized I was like, wow, the energy I needed to do full-length productions I had never been grateful for having that energy I never considered it as like something great I just was like took it for granted and then suddenly I couldn't do like a scene Mm -hmm. I know it's so interesting I completely relate to that I totally took it for granted too and I think most people do it doesn't occur to us especially as relatively young people you know I was in my late 20s I got diagnosed right before I turned 30. Like it's not something that you ever think could happen to you, that you wouldn't be able to get through a two hour long play. And yet I suddenly couldn't imagine a world in which I could do that consistently. Like the way the disease manifests for me is like, I'll have nights where I can do that. No problem. And I'm high energy and I feel great. And I can think of all the words and like, I'm totally high functioning. And then I'll have days where I look, feel and sound like I'm 95 years old. And that's just the way Lyme disease manifests for me. Right. Well, I think it manifests like that for a lot of people. Yeah. And that's part of why it's so confusing. And something that happened to me was that when I would feel good, I would forget that I would ever feel bad again. Totally. <laughs> so I'd overdo it. Yeah. And um, I'd go in this cycle of like constantly having to be beaten into acceptance. Yeah. Because I just would totally lose acceptance as soon as I felt good. <laughs> Completely. Um, and that's a really painful part of the journey. It's been so humbling and ultimately really illuminating and beautiful. A good friend of mine who's the kind of friend who can say stuff like this to me said um, a couple months ago, she said something that changed my life. She was like, please tell me if I'm overstepping. I don't have Lyme disease, so I don't know. Tell me if this feels at all accurate to you. When you're having a flare-up, is it not usually... Can you not usually trace it back to some act of self-will? Mm. <laughs> and I was like, wow, if anyone else had said that to me at any other point in my life, I might have been so defensive because the implication is like I'm doing this to myself or at least that's how I've always heard it. And for whatever reason, when she said that, I was like, you're right. Because like, I, I don't know, like I think I don't think I, I don't I didn't give Lyme disease to myself like I don't. I didn't cause it, but like there are certain actions I can take or avoid that really help me. And so like, I don't know, the last flare up I had, like, I'm not feeling great today. I don't know. I'm just remembering like last Monday, I didn't feel great. And I was like, why don't I feel great? And I was like, oh, cause you like went running this weekend. You know that running is too much for you. Like my body can't handle running. But then I look at my friends and they go running and I'm like, I should be able to go running. And it's like, I just can't. And that has to be okay. 
And I'm looking forward to coming to a place of acceptance around that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can honestly say that I'm pretty... I can honestly say that I'm actually pretty good about that stuff today. Yeah. And one of the things I do is I use the Super Better app. Do you know about no. Super Better? Well, you you guys have to look into it. I mean, it's really interesting. I'm a kind of person that like likes competition and I like a game and it's kind of a game app oh, on cool. your phone. <laughs> but it's a way to heal. Like you mm. use it to get points when you do certain things. And like oh, one wow. of one of the quote unquote bad guys is uh, believing you can fly or thinking you can fly, which just means like not accepting that there are certain things that you can't do now. Um, and I'm usually like battling that bad guy and winning because I'm yeah. not, I don't usually do things that I can't do anymore, but I have to say I'm so much better that there aren't too many things too often that I feel like, oh, I really definitely can't manage that yeah but my god I mean I pushed that limit till I got well and it took me three years to get to that point three yeah. and a half four <laughs> yeah um but you know yeah for sure like I definitely can't sleep I can't uh, operate on any sleep that's less than eight hours mm -hmm. that's one of my things like I don't have that luxury of sleeping yeah. eight hours and doing the next day yeah um, which is hard for me because I want to be in life all of the time. Me too. That's a really big one for me. Yeah. I mean, last night I was at dinner with friends at 630 and another friend texted me. She's like, what are you doing after dinner? And I was like, sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm 32 years old and I'm like excited to go to sleep at like nine on a Saturday. Like, but that's just where I'm at. And that feels really good to me, weirdly. Like, it's not even like, that's okay, that's acceptance. Like, I'm very grateful because I spent many years as a very heavy partier, and that did not make me happy. Tried it, not for me. So, like, right. practicing a life of pretty rigorous self-care is something I never knew I wanted to do. And it, it But that's I so inspiring know. coming from you specifically because you – have a really big full life. Yeah. You're a bi-coastal actor and writer. Like yeah. you're living the dream for a lot of people and self-care is of primary importance to you. Completely. So that's not, and that's not typical for a person, yeah. especially in the entertainment industry. Like people run themselves ragged. I know. So I think that that is, you know, really empowering for listeners and inspiring for listeners to know that you can have this really big full life and go to bed at 9 p.m. <laughs> on a Saturday. I love that reminder because I forget that I am unusual in that way. And you're absolutely right. Like my friend is a director, one of my best friends, Trip Coleman, and he had um, his Broadway premiere this year. I mean, his Broadway debut, he had his first show on Broadway and I, I went to support him obviously. And at the after party, he's like, I can't believe you're here. And I was like, what do you mean? It's your Broadway debut. He's like, but you're always in bed at like 10. <laughs> like, And I was like, I love that that's my reputation. And I was like, that, you're right. But like, I'm here because it's your Broadway debut. But like, I make some exceptions, but like, it's pretty unusual. Like, that's my reputation now. Whereas I used to be the person literally dancing on bar tables. So things sure. can change. <laughs> yeah, I relate to that too. Just, <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, and I think I did a lot of harm to myself in those years of my life. I had like chronic bronchitis and I was sick all the time. And I'm yeah. similar to you. Like it wasn't like before Lyme, I was living necessarily a life of full health. <laughs> yeah, certainly so, not. So I don't really know like when it happened necessarily. I know when I took like, I went over the cliff. Mm -hmm. Um 
but speaking of that, how, uh, how did you initially get treated? It's like, I've had a lot of, I, I've had a couple different doctors and a couple different avenues of treatment. So the first doctor just gave me antibiotics and he's like, just take these antibiotics for like six weeks and you'll be better. And I was like, great. Was it doxycycline? <laughs> it was doxy. I can't remember exactly what the dosage was, but it was low. Mm -hmm. And I felt better for like a week and I was like, I'm better. And then I didn't anymore. And I kept taking it and I just came back essentially to where I had been. And I remember saying like, I'm basically where I was. And the feedback I got from the doctor was like, yeah, it's a long, slow road. And I eventually decided to try um, to see another doctor and like get another opinion because I just, my gut instinct was like telling me that this was, there had to be something else I could do. Then I tried herbal remedies. I did the Zong protocol. Um, I did that too. Yeah. I want to, so was the second doctor you saw, was that Dr. Horowitz? Yes. So I just want to make a statement about Dr. Richard Horowitz, who's in the Hudson Valley is that yeah, he is yeah. in New York. And if you do any research on Lyme disease uh, doctors, he's like one of the top people that will come up. He wrote a book called Why Can't I Get Better? which I suggest people buy. I actually got a lot of information out of that book. Um, but he is the sought after Lyme disease mm -hmm. doctor. Um, he's the most famous one. He's lots of things. He currently has a three year long waiting list that I have been on for three years. So I don't know if it's actually, it's probably longer than that. Yeah. Um, and he's extremely expensive and whatever. I mean, that's, all Lyme doctors are actually very expensive yeah. and it's worth it if you find a good one. Um, but I think, and this happened to me when he was recommended to me, I panicked because I thought he's the only doctor I could see. Yeah. Like everyone's saying, or two people were saying, and the internet was kind of saying, you know, it's Dr. Richard Horowitz or death. <laughs> That's what right, it kind of right, felt like right, for right. me. And, um, and I was so afraid because, because I tried all of these different avenues. I was like name dropping and I was writing, you know, heartfelt letters and his office actually never contacted me and it never, it never went through, but I ended up finding healing. I feel great today without him. And, um, what I love about your story is that you did see him. He was kind of out of the way for you. Um, you know, and then you, you didn't end up using him to, to officially continue. I chose not to. Yeah, it was out of the way. And I just felt and perhaps this is naive. I don't know. I just felt like same thing. Like, you know, their office is so overwhelmed because he's so in demand. I was like, I need a doctor who um, I feel like I can have like relatively reliable communication with. And I don't. I just, and per, again, perhaps this is naive, but I don't think it is. Like, I don't believe in a world in which that's not possible. <laughs> like, right. a good doctor who I know has the time and space to, like, really treat me. And, and I don't just mean, like, at appointments. I mean, like, return phone calls, like, return emails, like, and I, 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 I found that their office was so overwhelmed that that was not possible, and that's just not that just didn't work for me. I didn't feel taken care of in the way that I needed to be. Right. And that's such a good point. And that actually came up on a previous episode about Lyme disease. I asked, 
Jill Skiba, um, my friend, what her number one suggestion kind of is to people with Lyme. And she said, like, find a doctor that you love. Yeah. And hers was not actually her main Lyme doctor. Hers was like a homeopath that was just essentially reliable, kind and loving. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think that is really important. And I've had terrible trouble finding that. Um, Or it'll come and then it'll go. And most doctors that are doing like integrative functional medicine are really busy. Yeah. Um, But I think it's really good advice. And you did find that in New York. Yeah. At the Morrison Center. They're really lovely and they know what they're doing. And what I love about them is they, they see antibiotics as like sort of the last resort you know so like I, that's why I was really nervous so like for a long time after I saw Dr. Horowitz then I was seeing just um sort of homeopathic practitioners and acupuncturists and trying to go uh that route um because I, I I had been like he had prescribed like a pretty heavy course of antibiotics that really kind of wrecked my system and so I kind of went like you know like the I let the pendulum swing far in the other direction and that wasn't working for me either and I was really resistant to go see like what I called like sort of like a more western doctor because I was like I don't want them to just put me on the antibiotics anymore and then I'll just have diarrhea all day and like yeah and I'm like a kind of a black and white thinker so it's like it didn't occur to me like maybe there's an in-between and I went to the Morrison Center and they're like oh no we don't want you to be having diarrhea all day on antibiotics like no one wants that for you and like we want to try to find a solution that um, is not antibiotics that like basically is boosting your immune system so that you can um, fight this sort of like with it like on your own in a sense um, without the help of the antibiotics that destroy your immune system and little by slowly that's been working for me. Right. Um, and then that's so funny because you were the first person and I shared this with you last week. You were actually the first person I spoke to that I said out loud, I think I might stop using antibiotics. Um, I was on antibiotics for 10 months and I was on like five different kinds at a time and I was extremely sick from them. I wasn't having diarrhea or like the typical migraines necessarily, but I was like, my body was so weak. I really consider the moment that I decided to stop taking antibiotics and started doing kind of holistic regimens um, that when I started to heal. Yeah. But you were the first person I said that to. And we had kind of, I remember it was like on the Bluetooth in my car and I was like, I just don't know. I'm not, I'm just like not getting better. I was in this cycle where I would take them for a month, two months, four months. Um, I'd feel better by the end my doctor would be like sounds like you're feeling better and I'd be like so it's over like you were saying in the beginning I'd be like it's over I'm better and then I'd get off and a week later without fail 10 days later I would be sicker than I ever was in the first Mm. place that was my cycle and I did that for 10 months and then when I finally got off it was because um when I'd put the antibiotic to my mouth or like go to get the bottle of pills I would feel my entire body weaken. Oh my gosh. It was so crazy. And I was like, I don't, I remember putting a pill in my mouth once and being like, I don't want to swallow this. Yeah. Um, and then I spoke to you and that was, that was that, that was the end. That was like my decision. I was, you said something like, 
yeah, maybe you should listen to that Mm. like feeling. And I did. Um, And that's not to say that we, that I'm saying that nobody should take antibiotics or that like they don't work. I think that they do. And I think plenty of people get better with them, but uh, that just wasn't my story. I love your story. And I don't remember saying that to you, but I'm grateful that I knew that then because I remember that was like really the beginning of my healing journey. And what I love about that story is that like your body gave you the information that you needed, it sounds like, which might sound kind of cheesy and metaphysical to a lot of people. And it would have to me years ago. But like, I've really found that to be true. Like, this is a silly example, perhaps, but like, I remember a couple years ago, I got an offer for a job that I had thought I wanted. (laughs) And as soon as I got off the phone with the offer, my whole, I had a severe Lyme flare up Mm. like severe. And I got in the bathtub, like chattering, like teeth chattering, like my whole body hurting. And I was like, I don't want to do this job. (laughs) And it was like, my body was really telling me not to do it. And to this day, I'm so grateful. I didn't do that. That's amazing. Yeah. So did you then just say no? Did you just say no? Yeah. <laughs> did you like call your agent and, and turn it down? I mean, it's I actually it quite hard to turn jobs down. Oh, yeah. In- and that job was going to pay me a lot of money. And I did not have a lot of money at that time. And I'm a freelancer. So it's I didn't really know where my next paycheck was coming from. But I was like, I don't know, like, I'm really into, like, sort of looking at, like, what Lyme has given me because it's so easy to look at what it's taken away from me. And I'm like, okay, it's it's it forces me to be very honest with myself. Like, I could not take this job on and lie to myself and be like, I want to do this when I my body's like, girl, no, you don't. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was. it is really amazing. I'm so grateful for that, too. It's like, I never had that body intelligence before I was so distracted from anything happening inside of my body and um you know it talks I talk a lot and I always ask the question how do you balance your big full life with self-care and I was telling you that I'm so excited about what happened between us last week because we were supposed to tape this podcast exactly a week ago and um we were both you were on like a really tight schedule (laughs) and we talked about like overbooking ourselves and how easy it is to do that um and you were like so I don't want to rush this and to me that's such a that's such a um I don't know it's such an enlightened thing to say for me actually like to be like I don't want to rush yeah um because for me before Lyme everything was about pushing through because I was so afraid things weren't going to happen or they weren't going to go as planned so I'd push 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 and today it's like okay let's not rush it Let's reschedule. Let's just trust that if we reschedule, it'll go better. Um, and that's such such a self-care thing for both of us. I didn't want to rush it. I could feel in my body when you said that, the anxiety. Yeah. Like, ooh, okay, so like we'll get going. And for yeah. me, that's like, that could make me sick. That could make me tired. That could cause adrenal burnout for me. Yeah. So I have to really back up and have faith in the end. Like that's just for me, that's just having faith that everything will work out without me. What you said, the act of self will (laughs) like hundred percent. Um, so I'm so grateful that what are some of the other ways you use self care to balance your big full life? Well, let's talk about your big full life. Actually, (laughs) (laughs) you're currently working on a new showtime. Yeah. 
I'm writing and producing on a new Showtime series. It's called Kidding. It's a darkly comedic half hour. Um, we just started. Um, it's uh, We just finished our third week in the writer's room. It's starring Jim Carrey in his first uh, television role in 20 years since In Living Color. And it's um, going to be directed by Michelle Gondry. And oh, it's really? really cool. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. It's I'm really like, cool. I can't I know. wait for this show. Is I it like eternal sunshine on screen? I mean, yes and no. I mean, it's their first collaboration since Eternal Sunshine. It's a little different in tone. You know, it's a different writer. It's not Charlie Kaufman. It's this great guy, Dave Holstein, who wrote the pilot and is our showrunner and is so special. And um, it's a lot of the team from like, you know, he was a long, longstanding uh, writer on Weeds and um, his number two on the show, Roberto Benabib, is was on Weeds for years. So it's sort of that sensibility, which is like finding humor in the darkness and I love that <laughs> vice versa. I love it too. Weeds. I, the first thing I thought of was Weeds when you were oh, like yeah. showtime, half hour, darkly, darkly funny i was yeah. like weeds it's weeds I amazing mean, it's weeds in the world of children's television basically so like jim carrey plays a sort of mr rogers type figure who's having um kind of a crisis of faith so i think it's really interesting i'm having a really oh good God. time it's really fun it's I kind of a dream job for this show oh i'm so <laughs> happy to hear that i feel the same way and the fact that I get to like have a job like this, like in and of itself is a dream, obviously, but the fact that I can do it with Lyme disease is insane. Like I don't understand how I get to do that. And I feel really lucky. Right. So what are your days like? They're like 12 hour days. No, no. This is the amazing thing so far. They're really manageable because the people I work with are incredible professionals and so on this job it's really a manageable schedule it's like 10 a.m to four or five which is amazing because speaking of rich full life like i this is like my you know consistent job right now but i have many projects that i myself as a writer am working on on my own outside of this so i have a tv show that i have a pilot that i'm writing for tnt um i have a feature that i'm uh writing um for mark duplass's company and then i have uh several play commissions so these are all things that it's like that i have to do like that people have paid me money to do <laughs> you know so it's not like if i get time like i have to do those things too so i basically have like seven jobs and lyme disease hmm. so it's <laughs> um should not work like that should be impossible and makes no sense and what I have to do is practice rigorous self-care so that I can do all those things and not have a nervous breakdown or like a really severe flare up. And, and what does that look like for you? So for me, it's like I try to be in bed at 10 because like my doctor told me, she's like, your, um, uh, your cortisol spikes again at 1030 because your body, have you heard this? No, but that is so true for, I get really active brain and active body at night yeah. so I always try to be in bed by 10 too but I didn't realize that it happened at 10 30 that's go ahead that's it's so crazy I know me too so she told me like be in bed at 10 a couple years ago and I was like are you crazy like I'm not gonna be in bed at 10 who could do that she and when she explained to me she's like your body like sends another round of cortisol at like around 10 30 because it's like oh I guess we're not going to sleep I guess we're staying up here we go here's more energy and so she's like, if you can fall asleep by 1030, that's ideal. Wow. 
How do you fall asleep? Did you ever get the insomnia situation? The Lyme yeah. insomnia? Yeah. So like, how do I fall asleep? I tried, I like, you know, really simple stuff. Like I try not to look at screens for like at least a half hour before bed. I try to journal before bed, you know, and sort of reflect on my day and like what I did well, what I feel like I could have done better, but not in a self-punishing way, like sort of to almost take like a mental, emotional, spiritual shower before going to bed. That really helps me sleep because then I'm not like, rehashing stuff from the day like as i'm lying there i don't watch tv i read i have like one or two cheat days a week quote unquote where like i'll get to watch tv before bed but like during the week i tend to like be really disciplined with that and i just read that's really good for me to hear yeah so bedtime is like the the scariest time for me because i really had such a hard time falling asleep so you don't take anything to help you sleep Sometimes I'll take melatonin. Okay. Um, that's it. That's great. What about you? It's hard. Sleep, I take this supplement called Tranquil Sleep, which is a chewable melatonin 5-HTP and Santhianine. And it's, like, powerful. Yeah. I actually take half dose because it's so powerful. But it puts me to sleep. Um, and then my partner is big on TV before bed, which kind of puts me in a... I'll watch it and then I get really hooked on like TV putting me to sleep. Yeah. Anyway, which is like Roseanne right now. Oh, well, that's a perfect show. (laughs) It's amazing. But it's not. I'm a big believer in like don't have screens or like Wi-Fi on your face before you fall asleep. I know, but we're so addicted as a culture. Excuse me. Like it's that's been a big one for me. And when I get into the habit, just like any habit, it's like very hard to break. So I just went on vacation for 10 days and I was in a hotel room and I was like, I watched mindless TV before a bit. And then like, I was like, I can't believe there was ever a time when I didn't do this. Right. But then once the amazing thing is like, once I stop, then it's not only like not hard not to watch TV. It's like, I don't want to. That feels like gross to me. I'm like, ew, why would I want like bright colors and loud sounds flashing before my face right before I go to sleep? That sounds awful. It is kind of gross. Yeah. No, I totally hear that where I'm like, oh, that, yeah. Why do I want that like assault yeah. on my brain? Yeah. It actually feels like an assault on my brain 100%. because of the, I think partially because of the like internet-y mm-hmm. thing, like, you know, killing us. <laughs> totally and like i don't even really watch tv much anymore like i get all my news from the radio mostly from npr because i'm like i want i think this is something lime has given me too it's like i want a pretty simple life i used to wake up and go on twitter yeah to listen to and for me listening to npr in the radio uh, in the car is actually a form of self-care because it keeps me there's a really loud plane going by us oh, right now. Yeah. Wow. That is loud. Wow. I right? don't know if I've ever heard a plane here before. Wow. I've only lived here for two weeks. <laughs> but it's a first um, for everything. I, um, yeah. Oh, listening to NPR in the car. Yeah. It's like I try not to blast the radio. I try not to, like, blast music and do the whole checking out thing. And, yeah. like, I try to just be as calm as possible all day long, which is major self-care for me but go on I want to hear more about that from you the self-care stuff I feel like I kind of hit a lot of it every morning I spend about 20 to 45 minutes like in like you know reading spiritual books and meditating I have to start the day that way 
if I don't, not a good day. Pretty much. I can like coast by for one day without doing that. And then I start to get like really anxious, really obsessive, really fearful. Like it just doesn't work. So like, I guess I really cushion my day with like, you know, these bookends of like real, um, quiet time that really helps. Um, what about diet? Oh, huge, 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 huge. My favorite is when people comment and they're like, you're so good. Like as if I'm like doing this to be to skinny, be, to be skinny. I'm like, <laughs> no, like I'm, not, I literally used to live on pizza and frozen yogurt. That was my life. I was like, I'm one of those people who can eat pizza and frozen yogurt and look awesome. Like I I didn't look awesome, but I told myself I did. But um, now I'm uh, basically I'm on like the ketogenic diet, although I'm not um, disciplined enough in that way. Or I don't care enough to be very honest to like measure, you know, like count the carb gram. Like I don't do that. But like I basically don't eat greens, don't eat sugar, don't eat um, uh Actually, no, I do eat dairy now a little bit minimally, but I try to eat goat dairy um, because that's apparently easier to digest. So it's like it's like some combo of like paleo and keto. I Um, do some goat dairy, too. You do? Yeah, which I think is good for me. I do some goat milk. I do some goat yogurt. I do some goat cheese, but like high quality. Oh, yeah. I think it's important that everyone read ingredients like they're not. If you get goat cheese at a store, often it's actually cow cheese. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. What? Crazy. So if you look at the ingredients, it's often cow cheese. (laughs) So you have to really get it from like Whole Foods or Lassen's or, well, that's just LA based. But like, you have to really read the ingredients and be careful. And you you basically just want it to be, you know. Yeah. Do you do any um, cow milk or cow cheese? I don't. Yeah. I mean, I try not to. Sometimes, I mean, I never do unless I'm, like, at a party with, like, a cheese platter. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And then suddenly I'm, like, cheese seems, like, the most accessible and least – has the least effect if it's the thing that I cheat on. Right. Uh, Like, I don't do – like, I'll never do, like, a piece of cake. No, no, no. That's not something that I even want to do. I'm, like, afraid of it mostly. Me too. But but if I see a cheese platter, I'm, like, hmm, some brie. (laughs) Yeah, here's where I struggle is, like, putting half and half in, like, tea or something like that. Oh. It's just, like, so delicious to me. And I find soy milk and almond milk, like, these substitute, like, they usually have sugar in them. And unless I make my own, so I do make my own almond milk. I can't believe I'm a person who does that, but it's very easy and delicious. That's the way to do almond milk. Yeah. Almond milk, buying almond milk is kind of, like... Mm, why not really that yeah and it also it's not healthy and but like that's what so like what do you do if you're out like i mean this is like feels so silly to ask about but it's i'm curious like let's say you get a tea and you want to put milk in it do you i mean do you drink tea with milk in it first yeah so i'm really big on tea lattes yeah and i never drink milk I never drink cow milk. Yeah. So I do almond milk latte, coconut milk latte. At home, I use hemp milk. But what about the sugar content in those milks? So I always get the unsweetened. Okay. Um, although, so it's like never any added sugar. Right, but there's right. some sugar in whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Else, hemp milk is my favorite. Uh, so I don't feel, I, I, I don't feel bad. Yeah. 
And I think that that's like a big part of it is like just take note of what feels bad yeah, for you yeah, and yeah. what feels okay for you. Yeah. And then the other thing is that I haven't had cow milk in so long that if I taste, if I eat anything or take a sip of anything that does have like a splash of yeah. cow milk in it, all I taste is milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like even if that was a healthier option, I don't want it. <laughs> what does it do to you when you like what is it? How does it affect your body? Cow milk? Yeah. Um, well, dairy makes you much more mucusy. Yeah. Right. So it builds up the mucus in your sinuses and in your throat, which I don't need any extra of mm -hmm. personally. Um, and then it in your gut. <laughs> It builds up all sorts of shit. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm not the best, but yeah. I don't eat, I don't eat like anything. I pretty much like do all the research, forget all of the research right. and just do what I came to find. Yeah. 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 Which is really hard in positions like this when somebody's like, so what do you do? Like, what does it do to you? Or like, what is, right, right, right. What is the experience? I'm always like, hmm. I don't remember, but I do remember right, right, that you're right. better off without it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't eat eggs or pork or soy or dairy or sugar or gluten. Um, and some of them I know like slow down your digestive tract and you just want that to keep moving and, you know, but mostly I'm just like, I don't really remember. I just like, you know, that's a GMO, so I don't eat that. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my diet's a really big part of my self-care too. Like I don't, I won't leave the house without snacks. Never. Right. And people make fun of me. One of my new coworkers recently was like, did you bring your own Tupperware from New York? And I'm like, did you not? Like, yeah. I'm like, I, it's not even a question for me, but I remember years ago, I saw a friend of mine pull a power bar out of her purse. And I was like, good idea. I should put power bars in my purse. Now I wouldn't put a power bar in my purse because I can't eat anything that's in a power bar, you know, like, but I always have, I always have nuts, cucumbers. Um, I do eat eggs. So I have like hard boiled eggs most of the time. Sometimes I have some goat cheese. Like I found these like goat cheese sticks that are like string cheese, but oh, they're goat I've cheese. Seen them. Yum. They're really they good. good. Those are good. Like high protein for me because I also... If I'm hungry, I'm just not a fun person Me for too. anyone. So, like, I, I try to, like, yeah, just, like, keep a lot of snacks with me. Because, like, I can't pull over to the side of the road and, like, have a taco. No. And for me, it got so much worse when I got Lyme. Like, for, before Lyme, being hungry, I was cranky or whatever. But after Lyme, when I'd get hungry, something was very different physiologically yeah. for me and I just couldn't exist. Yeah. So I don't leave the house without something. Nut yeah. butters, like squeezable nut butters. Oh yeah. I have, I've, I'm really into those, the Justin's. Yeah. Those yeah. are like a power bar. Those do for a power, for me, what a power bar does for most people. Like, yeah, totally, totally. So that's a really good tip for anyone. Yeah. Trying huge. to up their self care game. Just like, well, everything you said. Yeah. Less TV, more reading, and, like, bring snacks. <laughs> and the under-scheduling, too, or, like, not over-scheduling, as you said, that's a big one for me that I still struggle with. It's so big. It's big. Like, just basically having at least one day a week where I make very little plans or no plans. I didn't do that this week, and I'm feeling the effects of it, and I feel tired. Yeah. Just, like, really having a day of self-care almost like a, the sabbath like a day of rest i need that and i forget that i need that but i do right so you said yeah you don't feel so good today no i feel bad 
What is that feel? What is that? How does that manifest for you these it days? It sucks. I mean, it's better than it used to be. It's not, you know, I don't have to be in bed all day. Like, it's not like I'm able to function. I just like feel low energy, a little bit of brain fog, like a little bit of like forgetting details and words, like I said, a little bit of muscle soreness, like my neck and my shoulders hurt, a little bit of throat soreness, like a little bit like you're coming down with the flu yeah uh or fever yeah just like not good like really tired that is the very typical um experience with Lyme yeah that's the feeling like you're about to get sick like but you're not over that threshold which is a horrible feeling the achy exhausted like tickle in the throat kind of about to spend a week in bed but that's we don't necessarily get there right 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 Um, right right. so that's i i so know that feeling and i hate that and i'm so grateful that you did this podcast even though you're feeling that way but you know you're sitting comfy and you've got your tea next to you and i just like i love all of that um and as i said to you before the podcast like i'm gonna go get a massage after this like that's another part of self-care for me is like I think I got two massages before I was 27. Like, I just, I never did that. I was like, that's expensive. Like, I don't deserve that. Like, whatever. I don't like that. Like, too intimate. And that's like, I get a massage a week, sometimes two. Amazing. And it, like, really helps. And, yeah, there are things we can do. That's so amazing. Um, You're such an inspiring person to have never stopped working and to have really found ways to take care of yourself while working and I know that it's one of the biggest fears for a lot of people that get sick is that they're not going to be able to do what they love anymore so um you didn't just get to keep doing what you loved like you got to actually find more of what you loved like you weren't writing as much no and now you're writing like seven (laughs) seven (laughs) I don't know if it's I don't know I don't count because it makes me anxious but a bunch yeah you're writing a lot of different things and you're um so you're really excelling while being sick or while sometimes not feeling well. Yeah. I don't really love to say like you're sick. I know. And you don't and the amazing thing is is that you don't appear sick. You don't you don't your energy doesn't feel quote unquote oh, sick. Oh, that's so like, good to hear. Whatever the fuck that means. I ha- kind of hate that word. I know. Even though it's in my title too sick and naked, but I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no, it's genius. <laughs> so I don't um but you know, I don't consider you sick at all i just but i do know that that is one of people's biggest fears when they hear that they are sick it's totally. like i'm gonna lose everything um that i love totally and you have not you've actually built on other things and it's similar for me i i built on writing and doing even doing this yeah. and like i've been able to do a lot more and i actually had a lot more success acting when i was most sick that's crazy. Which is hilarious because I really think it was because I just didn't care. I was too 100%. sick to care. Um, so I just want to say that. And then I would love for you to tell us a few of your triumphs. I mean, oh. since, yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously your job and writing is one of them. And Yeah. What else? Well, it's really funny that we're talking about work vis-a-vis sickness just yesterday sent in a new draft of a play to Playwrights Horizons, uh, which is a theater in New York, an off-Broadway theater uh, that commissioned me to write a play. And I wrote a play about a couple things, but a major one is Lyme disease. 
a couple years ago, I had a meeting with an actress who also has Lyme disease. And she's like, we should write something about Lyme disease. And I was like, yeah. And I was thinking, like, what would it be, though? I was like, like, two people are tired. Like, how yeah. do you write about that? And then I got into like a not good uh, romantic relationship a couple years ago that was brief, but really affected me. And I was like, wow, what does this remind me of? It reminds me of Lyme disease where it's like one tiny tick bite can have a huge impact, can literally like impact me for the rest of my life. And that's what like this romantic relationship did in my life too, in some ways positively, in some ways negatively. And so I just wrote a play about the intersection of those two things and about a young woman with Lyme disease. And um, that feels really exciting that I can like write about these really painful, but also ultimately in some ways pretty transformative experiences um, and turn it into art that's hopefully not boring that's not just like it's hard to get out of bed on wednesdays like <laughs> you know right. that's not what the place like so um <laughs> that's exciting and then in terms of other i love you use the word triumph i love that word i you know i've just gotten to i was talking about this the other day like i i don't know if this is good or bad i was talking to you about it too like i just refuse to live the life of a quote-unquote sick person I think in some ways it's bad. I, I don't really like the word bad, but like I think in some ways it's not great because I think it stalled my healing journey. If I just surrendered to being sick more, I think I could be healthier. I love working so much and I love what I do and I'm so excited about what I do that like it feels like an impossibility to put it on hold. I'm sure some of that is unhealthy. But basically, I've just kept going and I've showed up for work. So like a couple years ago, I remember I like wrote a Facebook post that was like, I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was like the right, the life of a writer with Lyme disease. And it was just like, I remember that. Oh, post. you do? Yeah. You were like, um, <laughs> sit in bed, prop yourself up with yeah. as many pillows yeah. as possible yeah. and like put the computer in front of you <laughs> yeah. and yeah. write. That's what it was. You remember, yeah, because that was my life that day. I was like, I have to write. Like, this isn't like my fun outlet. It's like people paid me money to do it. I have to do it. And I have Lyme disease, so I just got to do it. And I will say, some of the best writing I've done has been because of Lyme disease, because, like, I don't have the luxury to debate whether I should cut this monologue or not. Like, I'm tired. I have to go to bed. I'm cutting this stupid monologue. Nice. <laughs> you know? But you bring up a, we have to wrap up, but you, yeah. I could just talk to you forever, but you bring up a really good point about, you know, doing things that bring you joy. Part of the reason you're able to work and have Lyme is because you enjoy your work. Totally. And like I found in my own recovery that I could no longer do things that didn't provide me with energy. Like yep. I couldn't do things that zapped my energy, which meant I had to say no to a lot of jobs. Oh yeah. Um, and so you, one of the reasons I highly suggest people find something they love. I mean, we're lucky to do something we enjoy and get paid for it. But like, that should be the, the standard, right? I mean. Completely. And like also in everything too, like this is something that seems so obvious, but like in terms of social stuff, like I found like I was hanging out with a lot of people who were like, I want to get dinner. When are you free? And I'd be like, Wednesday. And I wouldn't be like, wait, do I want to get dinner with them? Totally. Like, they tend to gossip a lot about, like, people who I really care about. And, like, or I tend to gossip a lot with them. And, like, then I don't feel good about my, like, I don't know. I was like, and, and like, my therapist said to me, she's like, why don't you just get dinner with people who, like, when you leave the dinner, you feel energized? 
And it never occurred to me that I could say, I could make that distinction. So like, I've kind of made different decisions in my work life and my social life. Like, yeah, like everything is basically geared towards like seeking out energy and love and joy as opposed to obligations. Obligation, because, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't help anyone. Oh man, that's so helpful. I want to keep talking, but Me too. we're going to wrap up and I just want to remind everybody that we are not doctors. <laughs> so yeah. everything we said, uh, if something resonated, please take it to your trusted physician and do run it by them. Um, and thank you so much, Hallie. Thank you. This was a pleasure and a real joy. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you want to find Hallie on Twitter, she's at Hallie, H-A-L-L-E-Y, Pfeiffer, F-E-I-F-F-E-R. And Instagram is the same handle. And you can direct message her if you have any questions about today's podcast. Thanks. See you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.